Hoopball Podcast listeners. Are you a fantasy expert and want to write or podcast for Hoopball? Do you have aspirations of covering a team? Are you a master of sales and want to earn some cash on the phones? Well, we've got good news. Hoopball's recruiting. If you think you have what it takes, hit us up at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or by emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Again, that's at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. The following is a Hoopball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. A beer deep and I made a foolish promise last night to a member of our hoopball internal team that I would open this podcast by singing Red, red wine. I don't know why. we were. Oh, we were talking about the 90s. Was that an 80s? That was like late 80s, I think, or... That that one bleed into the early 90s. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. I am Dan Bespris. This is a hoopball presentation. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or just Google search Dan from Hoopball. That seems to be the easiest way. As I've said many times before, if you can spell my last name, you can find me, but it's a bit of a pain. Hoopball... You can follow on Twitter at HoopBallFantasy. I know over the bubble games and the shortened offseason, we were pushing HoopBall Tweets, which is the umbrella Twitter handle of our benevolent overlords over at HoopBall. But right now, it's fantasy season. We are in the run-up. We are under six weeks now from opening night. We are likely... Five days away from the trade freeze coming off. We are one week from the NBA draft and nine days away from NBA free agency. It is a serious and insane ramp up. We're under three weeks away from training camps starting. Preseason games probably about a week after that. I mentioned on yesterday's podcast, I really think you guys should be reaching out to your league mates now. Even though I realize Yahoo... Leagues aren't open yet. Uh, someone else re- mentioned to me on social media that uh, CBS doesn't have their leagues quite ready to go yet. I don't actually know. I don't play any leagues on ESPN because I cannot stand their format. But I don't know if they're open. I'm guessing, based on the fact that nobody said anything, that they might be open. Mm, and then I know for a fact that Fantrax is open because we've been running mock drafts over there. So kudos to Fantrax. They got their stuff together really fast on this one. I'm betting... Well, you know what? I actually don't know on this one. A lot of times I'll sort of lay my chips down on this podcast. Like when they started talking about December 22nd and the players were like, no, January. And we here on this podcast were like, mm-mm, they're starting. As soon as the owners were like, we're going to lose a billion dollars then everybody got in line for that December 22nd start time. So I had a strong feeling on that one. I probably should have gone to uh, every betting site I could find to see if there was a prop bet on what day the NBA was going to start and put large sums on December 22nd. But this one I actually don't know. This one I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not totally certain how places like Yahoo, CBS, how they're, what their goal is here. I, I, I thought... 
as I was thinking about it yesterday, I, I, I said in my head, doesn't it seem like they ought to be scrambling to get this stuff up as fast as possible? Because so many of us are, are ready to open our leagues and start dinking around in there and, and doing all the settings and getting our draft days started. They're missing out on clicks. But then I, I, on second thought, I, I sort of sat back and went, well, you know, most of the clicks that come in these fantasy leagues are right before draft day through the end of the season. Most people aren't spending a host of time in their fantasy league windows this far out. You know, I know that it's a, a quick ramp up. I know that we're under, what are we, 41, 41 days away? No. Yeah, 41 days away from the start of the NBA season, which I realize is uh, absurdly close. And in a normal year, you'd be talking about early September right now. This is this is what today corresponds to in a normal NBA calendar. And by that point, usually leagues are up for uh, probably about a month. I think they open... I think, the, I think Yahoo Leagues opened in early August last year, late July, early August. Yeah, but that was a month after free agency. That was a month and a half or more after the NBA draft. They had a chance to get all of the players loaded in, make sure all of their buttons were working, you know, a lot of user path testing, things like that on Yahoo, where if they raced to get everything set up right now, there may be some holes in the system. And then they're going to have to add names after the draft, they're going to have to move things around after free agency, although that part is easier. That's, you know, they just change the team name on somebody and hopefully everything else sort of flips with them. But, you know, I do think that there these these big sites might wait until after the draft so that at least then they know the player pool. I don't know. I mean, maybe they'll open tomorrow. What the hell do I know? When it happens, we're going to be diving in Face first, even if there's no water in the pool yet. Just pow, right against the bottom of the the deep end. Knock a few teeth out. Just diving in. We're too early. No. Smack. Anyway, we'll keep an eye on that. We'll keep an eye on that. Make no mistake. We will keep an eye on that. News from the last 24 hours in the NBA world. There were a smattering of things. Not an overwhelming number, but rumors are beginning to swirl because... We now know that the the trade freeze is uh, likely shaking loose here in the next couple of days. Uh, Austin Rivers apparently is planning on becoming a free agent to see what's going on there. Um, rumors about Kevin Love apparently not generating a ton of trade interest, which, yeah, I mean, that makes sense because there's a couple of power forwards out there that teams might try to get before they make a trade for a very proficient offensive power forward, but one that's on the wrong side of the prime of his career and one that plays no defense. Reports surfaced last night that the Suns might be kicking the tires on a potential Chris Paul trade. The Knicks had to shut down their facility after three employees were tested positive for COVID. The Pelicans are searching for a third team in a potential Drew Holiday trade situation. Apparently a lot of the uh, one-team discussions weren't working out, which makes me think that whatever's going on with the Nets probably is is stalled out in his tracks. Woj reported that James Harden and Russell Westbrook are a little concerned about the Rockets' direction right now, which I, you know, you can understand that. They lost their coach and their general manager this offseason. Russell Westbrook is going to struggle to coexist with almost anybody. James Harden struggles to coexist with almost anyone who needs the basketball, 
And I mean, they're they're a mess. I I mean, you know, we talked about it last year plenty. I don't mean to pile on the Rockets, but you know, Russell Westbrook is is a problem at this point of his career. His his athleticism is trending down as his Superman style body is is sort of beginning to show signs of wear and tear. I mean, that dude, listen, Westbrook was one of the most explosive players in the NBA, maybe in NBA history for some stretches here, but he was generally overrated by the NBA en masse because of it, basically because of averaging a triple-double, but, you know, the team was built around him having the basketball all the time, doing the rebounding while everybody boxed out, and just not being an effective playoff basketball player when teams were like, okay, we're going to sag back a little bit. You know, we're not going to just play our traditional defense. We're game planning for you. So I don't know what the hell the Rockets are going to do. They, they need to change things up because the iteration they ran out last year, the ultra small ball, got completely exposed. It just didn't work unless one of those two guys can add a massive piece, meaning with Harden, we saw it in the playoffs, the massive piece he needed to add is that he needed to be able to move without the basketball, and he doesn't. And with Westbrook, he needs to be able to shoot, and he can't. And I think we're at a point with these guys where, yeah, can you really teach an old dog new tricks at this point? Probably not. The Magic are talking about Aaron Gordon trades, but, you know, we've been hearing that for a year. Uh, The Wolves are trying to acquire another lottery pick. The Hawks are in on the Drew Holiday sweepstakes. And the Thunder picked their new head coach. His name is Mark Dagnall. Thank you, by the way, to Thunder uh, Beat Staff for putting his pronunciation on Twitter early this morning. It's spelled D-A-I-G-N-E-A-U-L-T. I actually would have thought it was Dagnall, but uh, apparently the T is pronounced. It's Mark Dagnall is the new head coach of the Oklahoma City Thunder as they go into what will likely be a rebuild mode. I mean, every time one little domino falls in Oklahoma City becomes more and more evident that they're gonna be going young here so you know this this just puts another chip into the 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 con side of the argument of drafting Chris Paul this year where last year it was all about prove it an immovable contract and this year it's Chris Paul's on the damn block we got teams that are interested in him already our veteran head coach is gone our super young head coach is in young players are in don't take a risk on a veteran The rumors are starting to swirl, man. The news per day, the NPD, is going to be ramping up here. Already is, I guess I should say. Man, we're right on the cusp. We are right on the cusp of NBA being a focal point in the universe again. We're so close. Tracking the Twitter feed, tracking podcast activity, these are two very rudimentary ways that you can kind of get a feel for whether or not NBA is in the spotlight. Sending out questions in social media and seeing how many people respond to them. These are all these little metrics you can do if you're trying to be like, from our side, from the, you know, running a website, trying to make sure that things are active and fun. It's how do we figure out when is that that hot point, that inflection moment when people really are into the NBA again, and we're damn close. And I wonder, frankly, if it's going to be the draft, free agency, or just Yahoo opening their fantasy leagues, that people are going to be like, oh, damn, NBA. 
Because right now the timeline is starting to tip that way, but there's, you know, still a lot of football, a lot of politics on the timeline. Just waiting for that moment. And we're close. I really think we're close. On tap for today's podcast. Well, you can bet your butt that we're going to be talking about HoopBall's products that came out this week. That's a absolutely positively on tap. But more importantly, it's a mailbag day. On Fantasy NBA Today, it's mailbag day, so we're opening up the satchel, we're pulling out the letters, and we're going to answer them here on air in just a few moments. First things first, though, I want to tell you guys about our buddies over at mybookie.ag. I know you have been listening to these and contemplating whether or not you want to get involved in this stuff. I I would say do so. I would say do so. Uh, One of our key promotional moves over the last few weeks has been to tell you about our guys over at HoopBall Gaming. A lot of their leans and all of their information remain available via the HoopBall Gaming Twitter feed. However, the top plays from our pros are now part of the Wager Pass Premium Package. So I can tie that into this promo as well. But go over to mybookie.ag, sign up. You bet, you win, they pay. Cash outs are so, so easy. I know a lot of folks have concerns over that element. That's been a thing in the past with these spots. Offshore books scare people because even as recently as like four years ago, getting money out of these of these spots was like you had to send a copy of your driver's license, your birth certificate, fo- another, you know, four different types of ID, where the money's being sent, proof of bank account. It was... It was a huge hassle, and for many of us, we just sort of slowly were building our bankrolls and kind of biding our time and figuring out when things might get easier. Well, guess what? They got easier. It's part of this new wave of the legalization of sports betting. It's so easy. They'll send you an e-check. They'll send you an e-check. You give them an address. It takes a few days. Cash out as, as low as 50 bucks. which by the way, uh, if you're using Bitcoin, you can do a deposit of like $20 or $25. Credit card, I believe the minimum deposit is 45 So, uh, I mean, you could win one bet and then cash out if you wanted to. But make sure you use promo code HOOPBALL when you sign up. HOOPBALL, all one word, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. When you sign up at mybookie.ag and start playing immediately. In fact, you can go over there and you can skip the deposit if you want and go straight into the free blackjack tournament. They got two going right now. A week-long $10,000 tournament and a one-day. Every day of the week, they have a different one. One day, that's a $1,000 tournament. Each of those. are seven of those every single week. I try not to ever miss it. And I'll admit, I just go max bet every time and hope that I catch a heater and get into the leaderboard because I don't have all day. You might. I don't know. Maybe you want to just play. I mean, you could play blackjack all day in these tournaments and just do it for fun. I'm gunning for a prize, and so I just get nuts. And most of the time, I, I lose a couple of hands, and then I'm out. But one day, one day, it was a few weeks ago, I caught a serious heater. I turned uh, a 1,000 points. They give you points to start with, basically. I mean, they're you know they're chips, effectively. And I turned that into, like, 14,000 points. And um, then I forgot to check right before the, the daily tournament ended and someone passed me to, to collect money. So I, I was this close. Some son of a gun came roaring out of the woodwork to shoot past me. But they're free. They're free. And if I had checked in and played a couple of big hands and won them, I could have won like 10, 20, 30, 50 bucks, something like that, for just for playing blackjack for fun. So 
Highly recommend it. Again, promo code over there is HoopBall. Please, please, please use that when you're signing up. Again, you don't even have to pay anything to sign up for an account. If you decide you want to bet on some sports, you drop in a deposit. But sign up with promo code HoopBall today for me, for your old buddy Dan. Again, free to sign up, free to play the blackjack tournaments. If you want to bet some sports, drop in a credit card deposit. So easy. Let's do some mailbag questions. We'll tell you about uh, some of the stuff going on over at Hoop Ball. We'll do a few more mailbag questions. I'll tell you about Manscaped. We'll finish up the mailbag. That'll be our show. You like it? I like it. Let's do this thing. These are in no particular order, as I've said before. Um, Twitter doesn't arrange the replies chronologically. I have no idea um, how they pick which ones show up first when I'm looking at the replies to a particular tweet. So uh, don't be upset if you sent your th- yours in at the beginning and it gets read in the middle. It's not my choice. I'm just going down the list one by one to make sure that I don't miss anything. First question comes from our buddy Doug, uh, a hoop baller, who says, who do you think is the biggest name to move teams during this free agency or trade season? Uh, Chris Paul. That one, I, I know it's, it's sort of lame, uh, but big contract, great player, rebuilding team one of the one of the few teams in the nba that's very clearly heading into the front end of a rebuild there aren't that many teams like that uh in the eastern conference you could make an argument that a team like the wizards should consider it the magic should consider it but a lot of other teams the hornets the bulls uh the hawks even the Cavs are trying to sort of begin the ascent out of their rebuild. Although for the Cavs, Kevin Love, you could probably put on that list as maybe guys that gets moved. Um, the Knicks are in the thick of it. The Pistons are in the thick of it. They don't have critical pieces to move, not big names at least. Like with the Pistons, I'm pretty sure Derrick Rose is going to get traded at some point this year, but would I call him a big name? I would not. For the Magic, we talked about Aaron Gordon earlier in this show. That's a possibility, but as far as name recognition goes, Chris Paul name power just blows him out of the water. If I had to pick sort of like a secondary big names that could be on the move, I'd probably pick the Spurs as the team that is heading into a likely rebuild. And so DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge are on the block. I don't know if either one of them gets moved. I would say the odds of Chris Paul getting moved are higher. His name is also bigger, but uh, DeMar and LMA are, you know, two... A lot of guys that have been part of the the Dan Vespers old man squad in the past. Those guys are all possible moves, and I'll go Chris Paul as the most likely. VP, one of our longest listeners, says, I'm not a fan of Brandon Ingram, but my God, dude improved his free throw percent, field goal percent, threes, and steals. How is Ingram's fantasy rankings with Zion? And there's a, a note here underneath that says, Ingram's improvements mirrored Durant's at that age. Scary if Ingram really ascends to that level. Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't think he ascends to that level. I, I don't see Brandon Ingram as having quite the same extension as Kevin Durant. Um, he's never shown the ability to block shots. I think Durant is a tiny bit... And maybe longer isn't the word, but I, I do believe that KD is taller, and I don't care what the, the actual stats page say. KD is listed at 6'10". What's Brandon Ingram listed as? 6'11", 
6-7. Okay, so the, the stats pages do agree. KD's got him by a few inches. They both have that crazy wingspan. But if you just look at defensive stuff, to me, that's one of the big separators there. And then, you know, with Durant, um, offensively, he's just a killer in a way that I don't think Ingram is about to become. Now, that said, VP, you're right. He made all these unbelievable leaps in reality and in fantasy last year. His scoring went up by five and a half points per game. Uh, his field goal percent actually went down, by the way. Uh, he was at 50% with the Lakers. He was at 46% with the Pelicans. Um, but three-point percent went from 33 to 39. Free throw percent went from 68 to 85. That remains the absolute craziest number on that board. And then steals, which had bounced around a little bit in his career. He was just a shade under one steal per 36 through most of his early, his first two years with the Lakers. That went down to about 0.6 steals per 36 in his third season in LA and then back up to around 1 1.1 this last year with the Pelicans. So the steals thing looks crazier than it was in that if he was playing 34 minutes all along, his steals probably would have been hovering between 0.8 and 1.1 and this most recent year he was just more towards the high end of that. We know how that you know the Pelicans way of playing under Alvin Gentry led to more steals, more blocks for their guys, because it was kind of frantic. People were throwing the basketball around. You were just going to get in passing lanes. More possessions means more opportunities there. So as I grade out Brandon Ingram, and that's before we even factor in the Zion effect, um, the big the big leaps this year were three-pointers and free-throw percent, in my estimation. Um, the steals was a little bit more uh, believable, the rebounding being higher was uh, a good thing for him, but you know some of that was just sort of level of engagement. Again, more opportunities, faster pace. The assists was nice because he was orchestrating more offense, but again, not insane. He was at 4.2 assists this year after being at 3.9 two years ago. So it really wasn't that crazy. The, the fact that he made such a massive leap in three-point percent, which, again, I know he was at 39% two years ago, but he wasn't taking any, so it's hard to really grade that out. He went from taking two a game to six, and the percentage went up. So his shooting did legitimately get better. He improved upon you know, his shot selection in that his field goal percent largely went down because he took more three-pointers. It was almost a perfect correlation. His two-point percent went from 52 to 50 season over season, um, which isn't that big of a leap. It actually went down from 12 to uh, 12.2 to 11.5 two-pointers per game. Uh, and then his overall number of shots went up by almost four. So that's your, that's your difference there, is that instead of taking 12 twos and under two three-pointers, he was taking 11 twos and six and change three-pointers per game. So his effective field goal percent really didn't change very much even though the actual number went down. So looking at this year, let's say Zion gets hurt, because that's a distinct possibility. Dude's um, an interesting shape for a hyper-athletic basketball player, and, and staying healthy has now been a little bit of a thing, and obviously we're super early on, so that can get wiped away pretty quick. But, you know, I think we have to factor it in a tiny bit. But just hypothetically here... Let's say that Zion does miss time and Ingram steps back into the same giant role he had early this most recent season. 
field goal percent, three-point percent, free throw percent, I, I think you just sort of assume those stay about the same. Um, I don't know that there's a whole lot of room for him to improve upon that stuff. And then the rest of the Pelicans stayed largely the same as well. Here's the issue. For the entire season, Brandon Ingram was number 35 on a per-game basis in nine category leagues, and that's including the bubble, which I think is relevant because it it ties into the when was Zion around situation. If you're just looking at roughly the last 15 games of the pre-bubble regular season, which was when Zion was sort of getting revved up a little bit, Brandon Ingram was number 61 in that stretch. Field goal percent was down a little bit. Steals, amazingly, were were hanging steady. But, and the funny thing is that, you know, overall the numbers were not that far off from what he was putting up on the season in total. But there was a noted drop-off. I mean, again, 61 is is pretty different than what we were talking about before that. So let's go back and look at the first couple months of the season when he was really wrecking shop and talk about October, November, and December. Uh, Brandon Ingram was number 13. He was averaging 25 points a game, seven boards, four assists, a steal, 0.8 blocks. He was shooting 49% from the field on 18 and a half shots a game, 86% at the free throw line. He was a wrecking crew. He was a wrecking crew. He's literally above average in every single statistical category except for turnovers by a hair. He was almost he was effectively a first round pick at that point. But the the Zion effect was very, very real. And if you go, I mean, you can look at like February through the end of the bubble if you want. And remember, Zion actually didn't play in every game in the bubble either. So uh, you know, take that into account as you're looking at these numbers. The drop-off is significant, significant. Brandon Ingram was number 100 in the final roughly 9, 10 games of the regular season and the bubble. 21 points, 5 boards, 4 assists. Things were not that different, but shot number down 16.5 instead of 18.5 pre-Zion. Free throws down, free throw percent was a little bit down, but we can call that a fluctuation. Blocks were down playing more small forward instead of power forward over those minutes. Rebounds were down. Field goal percent was down. Scoring was down. I don't think he's going to be a top 100 guy. That feels pretty weird and kind of fluky because we're only talking about a briefly a 15-20 game sample size. So there are guys in front of him over this stretch that would almost definitely not finish in front of him over the entirety of a regular season, like an Andrew Wiggins or a Cam Johnson, uh, Trey Lyles, Shaq Harrison. I mean, there's like a lot of names that don't really belong in there. So to call him a top 100 guy with those numbers is not accurate. But if you put up 21, let's say he puts up 25 and 4 for an entire season with a steal, maybe a little less than a steal and half a block on 44 or 45% shooting from the field and, and 80 low 80s, let's call it at the free throw line. I mean, that's still a top 50, top 60 kind of stretch. It's not bad. But he's not going to be a first-round pick. There's almost no chance. By the way, uh, Sham's sending out a tweet here while we're on air, so we'll break our, our mailbag for that. The NBA has sent its 30 teams a memo with protocols for eligible markets to host fans 
requiring people within 30 feet of court to register negative coronavirus test two days prior to game or rapid test on the day of the game. So if folks are going to be sitting near to the players, they will have been tested. So that's kind of cool, I guess. We'll see what teams can implement such a thing. And and the hope you know here is that these things have become affordable enough where somebody spending $1,000 on a ticket there's a you know $15 markup on that. The ticket's going to be $1,015, and then you're paying for your own coronavirus test. Something to that effect. I uh, want to tell you guys about the Brewski 150 on today's show. And the reason I bring it up is because Aaron has put together his, and this is one of my favorite things ever, Brew put together his B150 in review article, which is uh, it's available for view. It's completely free. That's not in any of the packages. We want to make sure that everyone can see the 2019 Brewski 150 review. It's right there on the Hoopball homepage, and it, it's, a, it's a Goliath, man. He put together the, the, the whole list. You can see every single player that was on last year's B150. You can see it without the, the color-coded markings. He's color-coded it by hits, by misses, by the size of the hit, the size of the miss, and he's run it up against Roto World's numbers as a way to just sort of say, hey, by the way, Roto World... Um, beat the average player by quite a bit as well. Um, so tip of the cap to our buddies over there. But the B-150 was better. It was 25 to 30% better. So it was better than good. It was great. And so you guys need to get the one this year. Uh, it will be going into the Hoopball 360 package about three weeks before the start of the season. It will be going into the uh, Fantasy Pass package about two weeks before the start. Excuse me. Get this right. It's going into the the Hoopball 360 about four weeks before the start of the season, give or take. It'll be going into the uh, early a la carte option and the fantasy pass about three weeks before the season, and then it gets plopped into the draft guide about two weeks before the start of the season. Roughly. Roughly. Those are not set in stone uh, dictated elements, but you guys got to get it. So please, go to Hoopball. Uh, hoop-ball.com is the website. Check out the stuff we've got going right now. The Fantasy Pass, which is, honestly, it's my favorite. I love the Hoopball 360 because I'm also into gambling. But if you're listening to this podcast and you're not into sports betting, the Fantasy Pass is your ticket. It's $4.99 a month. There's a six-month guarantee during the draft window because right now it includes the draft guide and the three-week B150 access. We call that the early access. There's regular access, early access, and ultra early. It includes early access to the Brewski 150, which is the most dominant ranking list in the world annually. Nine, I believe, nine years now running. Five at Hoopball. It's the best. It's the best. Four ninety nine a month. You lock in six months, and then it's month to month after that at four ninety nine. The Brewski 150 by itself is $30. There's absolutely positively no reason to ever buy the a la carte B150 early pass when you can get the fantasy pass because that includes the B150. It includes the whole draft guide, which has 400 player breakdowns, uh, every team, team by team analysis. It's got, uh, oh my goodness, the, the list is is so absurd. Let me, let me pull up a, a few of the names for you guys here. Um, We've got sleepers, you've got dynasty ranks, punt strategies, you've got schedule grids that'll be useful once the season uh, schedule gets released. You've got depth charts, you've got 
position by position analysis of every player in the end. Like, it's mind blowing. That's in the fantasy pass as well. And you get all of the in season access. And on top of those two things, the, the draft guide by itself is $20. The B-150 by itself is $30. The in-season pass, in-seasons passed is $25 to $30. We're talking about $80 worth of stuff for $4.99 a month. $4.99 a month on the fantasy pass. You must go get it. Please, please go get it. The in-season stuff, by the way, that includes all those things we talked about in the draft guide, updated as the season goes uh, it'll have a streaming chart. It's got Discord chats with the pros. You've got live video interactivity with our pros where you can ask them questions about your specific team. The access that you have to HoopBall's best and brightest is through the damn roof. Get the Fantasy Pass. $4.99 a month right now. You don't need any coupon codes or anything. Just go to hoop-ball.com. Click on the premium stuff. Go get it now. Back to the mailbag. Mike Lee. Longtime listener, with unique, with the unique transition and circumstances that have occurred in the NBA, what do you think are the biggest changes in the landscape of fantasy basketball? Do you have any new philosophies going into next season? What new hurdles should we be prepared for? Well, I'd say there are two big hurdles. Number one, a lot of teams are stuck with a quick turnaround. There's going to be a rust versus rest argument there. Um, I'd rather be a rusty team in this one. Because they'll have training camp to get loose. You know, it might take them time to get their timing back. So defense might be out in front of offense at the beginning of the season. But that's more of a it's more of a gambling take than anything else. Uh, but the teams that didn't get enough rest, they are going to be at risk for injury. It's just, they will. And so as to avoid that, you're going to see those teams rest their guys. So I think you're going to see more rest days than usual. And we've talked about it on this show a few times. The, you want to, and the, you know, how much is debatable, but you want to be bumping guys down your board that play deep into the bubble season. LeBron James being, and Jimmy Butler arguably being the two most significant down bumps because those guys were going to get drafted probably in the top 15. And I don't think you can anymore because in a 72 game season, I would be floored if LeBron didn't miss at least 10 games just from rest. Because the Lakers are going to be fine. Uh, home court would be great, but they don't need it. They were the best road team in the NBA this last year. So they don't need it. They don't need it. It's more important for them to be healthy than the lockup home court throughout the entire playoffs. This last year, they got first place in the Western Conference. I don't think their goal was ever to be in first place. Their goal was to make sure that their chemistry was locked in before the playoffs. And they did that. And... The the process was the important part. The results were great. They were happy with how it turned out. In a bubble, didn't matter. But the process was, we want to be ready for the playoffs, knowing how to play with one another, and that's actually more important than everybody being 100% rested. This year, that flips. These guys know each other. Most of these Lakers are going to be back on the team, running it back. There'll be some moves around the periphery. They've got, I think, a mid-level they can spend. So there might be one or two guys that uh, play decent minutes that weren't there. But on the whole, chemistry-wise, that's not an issue. Health is. Heat, same thing. Boston, somewhat same thing. They've got some young guys that I think will just play through it. But anyone on that team who's older than about 25 yeah, is at risk. Nuggets, same deal. 
Jamal Murray played himself nearly into his grave in that bubble. Jokic somehow just plays every minute and seems to be fine. He's a he's an interesting breed, that dude. Uh, you could even go one level further back and, and wonder about the Rockets, the Clippers, uh, the Bucks, the Raptors. There are some older guys on those teams. You start to move a little bit farther down the board, which is when this becomes less of a critical thing. Like if you're taking Kyle Lowry in the third round and assuming he's going to play 60 out of 72 games, then you get what you pay for. If you're taking LeBron at the end of the first round and hoping he's going to play 65 games, I think you're going to be disappointed. You're going to want to take someone there who's going to get closer to 72 than LeBron will. The other thing I think we need to be worried about is that, you know, these games, by all accounts, are not going to be happening in bubbles. We just got a tweet from Shams mid-show talking about how there will be fans in arenas. These teams are going to be in their own markets and Listen, like, I'm not here to throw a wet blanket on today's podcast, but if you hadn't heard, COVID's not great right now. And I'm not going to go diving deep into that because we had plenty of months to talk COVID in March, April, May, June, July, August. <laughs> I'm doing a little bit of a bit here. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't know if you guys have ever gone to the website covidactnow.org that tracks every state and county's numbers. It's a pretty red map. And for any NBA teams that are playing in those counties where there are outbreaks happening, those guys are probably going to get it. Someone. Someone will. And if one guy gets it, then a lot of them are going to get it. So what does the NBA do? Do they postpone games like baseball did, uh, like football is being forced to do, rescheduling things? The NBA is going to have to be ready for some of that stuff. There's also, I think, with basketball, they're going to be rapid testing basically every single day to try to catch these things. Back-to-backs make it much more complicated because you get a test back and a guy might have already been with his teammates. But presumably these guys are going to get tested like hours before the games happen. I'm thinking almost every one of the NBA teams is going to have to have a situation in place where they can get results almost immediately to make this work. So not only are you looking at it from a... You know, how much rest are guys going to be getting that play deep into the bubble? You're also kind of looking at it from a, okay, well, you know, what do I do about COVID? I don't think you can do a ton. It's not like you can pick a team and say, oh, well, I can't draft them. Like, you know, right now uh, it's really, really bad in Wisconsin. Do you just take all the bucks off of your board? No, you can't do that because you just don't know. Plus, we don't know which of these guys may have had it already. We don't know how long immunity is conferred. So to me, there's too many question marks there to really change your draft board based on that. But be ready for it. You know, you could just get unlucky, and that's going to stink, man. If your player is fully healthy and he's on a team where, you know, one of his teammates gets it and they have to cancel some games or, heaven forbid, a bunch of guys on that team all get it from the one guy, it's bad luck. Luck is going to play a bigger part this year, which to me is another reason why you really need to front load your season. Get healthy guys to start the year. Build a lead in your leagues. Even in Roto, you know, in Roto, I've talked many times about how I kind of like to draft the teams in front and kind of lag maybe 10, 15 games behind most of the other teams see what categories I can make an ROI-based run in and then surge in those late in the year. 
you're probably not going to have quite that same room. You can still pull it off, right? Like it's the difference between playing your 10th, 11th best guy early in the year versus holding that dude out and thinking, like, this guy might be a top 100 dude, but I might get to the last month of the year, realize that I should have spent more of my games on rebounds and then feel happy that I didn't play a top 100, you know, 3 and D type who wasn't really rebounding very much. So you can still draft a little bit in Roto. Make sure you're cashing in your games from your best guys early. Do not squat on a good player because you just don't know. They may just never get back to full health. And in head-to-head, you got to get out to an early lead this year because anything can happen. There's so much unpredictability. The season is shorter, and there are unforeseen and unpredictable risks. Our own Brad Harden, host of the Hoopball Hawks podcast, says, what about the musical point guard chairs of Eric Bledsoe, Freddie Van Vliet, Freddie Van Vliet, uh, Chris Paul, and Russell Westbrook? I am going to plant my flag and say all of those guys start the year where they ended last year. Russ is not traded. CP3 is. Freddie Van Vliet back in Toronto for the full season and for a decent contract, and Eric Bledsoe plays the year out in Milwaukee because he was never the problem for that team. That's my thought there. In fact, I like Bledsoe as... um, It's not a post-type guy. He's really just an old man type now. And the rest of those guys I'm a little bit intimidated by. I think Freddie Van Vliet's going to get overdrafted a bit, maybe accurately drafted. CP3 will get overdrafted because, you know, a trade this year, there's almost no way his value could be higher than it was last season And then Russell Westbrook, you know, this might be the year he finally gets underdrafted a little bit in eight category leagues. Nine cat is hard to swallow the things that he does poorly. Blake says, uh, two questions from Blake. What is your D-Bombs Hall of Fame roster? The Dan Vespers Old Man Squad Hall of Fame. Honest to God, Blake, I don't remember. (laughs) I, I can remember a lot of things, but they get sort of sorted into a weird side pocket in my brain. Um, that gets retabulated every year. Um, you know, guy, guys that are on my team often, repeat offenders. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, kind of a repeat Dan Vespers old man squad offender type. He's probably in the, in the D-Bombs Hall of Fame because nobody gives a crap about him. Kyle Lowry is in there almost every year. If I had to pick one player, I would probably say Chris Paul from this last season is probably the best D-bombs play we've ever had. Guy getting drafted in the uh, mid to late 30s who ends up as a a mid-first rounder. Not that that's the best pick any of us has ever made because I think a lot of people get the greatest enjoyment in fantasy out of picking the lesser-known guy who overperforms. But as D-bombs go... We're generally picking guys who are extraordinarily well-known players. Chris Paul. I mean, we're talking about a perennial all-star. Hall of Famer, who we probably got at a three-round discount last year. That's hard to do. I hope that answer was uh, sufficient. Number two, which NBA team do you want to attach yourself to for the most fantasy value? This coming year? That's a great question, Blake. Thank you. Um, my my top teams are always going to be the Raptors because they play their starters absurdly high number of minutes. 
And that's great. From a fantasy standpoint, you want a team that's going to play their starters a crap ton of minutes. Uh, I like the Phoenix Suns for this coming year. I think they're going to have a ton of fantasy value on that team because they're going to play fast and loose. They're good. Um, there's a little bit of a logjam there, so not as quite as much fun as the bubble with Oubre back and now them apparently in the mix for uh, a Chris Paul trade, but you know, I'll, I'll believe that when I see it. I think the Magic are actually going to be an intriguing fantasy team this year. Again, we, we've said it before on this podcast, not that many people noticed how fast they started playing the last 20 games of the pre-bubble regular season and all of their guys. Terrence Ross's value went through the roof. Aaron Gordon's value went through the roof. All these guys that needed a looser offense saw huge bumps. Aaron Gordon went from like top 150 to top 60. Terrence Ross went from top 120 to top 70. These were big, sizable jumps without any colossal personnel change. And don't say Jonathan Isaac, because he was out for weeks before any of that stuff started to happen. It was not a one-to-one correlation, and he's still out. Or I should say out again, but yeah, for our purposes, still out. So Magic, a sneaky fantasy team for this coming year. Raptors, an obvious one. You just kind of hope that those guys don't play themselves into too many injuries uh, this upcoming year, maybe a little bit more rest for Kyle Lowry, which is fine. That just means more for Norman Powell, uh, OG Ananobi. I th- you know, the Raptors have guys that are going to be underdrafted because they're snoozy, even though they're going to play, you know, 30 to 30, 38 minutes a game. Um, most of those teams I just mentioned were in the Eastern Conference. The Suns was, uh, was one out West that I thought was interesting. Um, I'm going to be looking a little harder at the Kings this year, but I'm not going to officially say I'm attaching myself to them because they're still the kings at the end of the day and it's still Luke Walton at the head of that thing but having Alvin Gentry around to run the offense is really going to help those guys uh and then the Portland Trailblazers I think are going to be a really easy team this year to attach yourself to fantasy because you know exactly what you're going to get that's really useful in a season with so much unpredictability good questions Luke our own Luke says why didn't you pursue fantasy baseball instead Truth? I can't pay attention at the start of every game. Baseball has too much platooning, uh, miss, or, uh, mix and match, relieving core, so many injuries, and so many games. They play 162 games. They play every single day. So in baseball, you need to be, you need to keep such a close watch on everything. And after a long NBA season, I just, I don't have the space for it. I don't have the space for it. I've tried before. I've tried. I've gotten as far as like mid-May in a baseball season before I'm like, I I can't. Because I log in and, you know, at the end of my work day, baseball games start at 4 p.m. Pacific time. Most days for us out here. Most time. And then uh, you've got games that start more or less every hour. There's a 4 p.m. group, a 5 p.m. group, a 6 p.m. group, a 7 p.m. group. I can't check my computer before each of those to find out if one of my, you know, if my second baseman is just getting a night off. A healthy rest. In the NBA, you know these things well in advance. So-and-so, LeBron, a healthy rest. We know a day in advance we can take him out of our lineup. I can set my NBA, my my season-long NBA roster like oftentimes I can set it a day before and it's not a problem. In baseball, you really have to know. You have to check like 
at it's very DFSy in that regard, where you need to be there at lineup lock, or you're gonna screw something up. It's just not that way with NBA. So I just watch baseball for fun. Santino. This one actually started its own little mini thread. Which bubble stud do you think is going to be the most reached guy on guy in fantasy drafts? Yeah, it's um, it's uh, it's uh, Michael Porter Jr. There's no question. Yeah, no question. Michael Porter Jr. is going to be uh, he's going to get reached for, and he'll probably have a decent season. But um, yeah, nah, too too rich for my blood. Dan Yu says, does the fact that Kevin Durant had such a long recovery mitigate the number of games he sits? Nope. Nah, Brooklyn ain't worried about regular season or his fantasy numbers. He will be sitting. And I'd be pretty floored if he played in any back-to-backs this year. He might. Like, he might do something stupid and and try to play in back-to-backs, but they just don't need it. And Kyrie is hurt all the time also. So, like, they need to be... That is a kid-glove oven mitt situation in Brooklyn with their superstars. They cannot afford to have those guys go down. And the East is such a cakewalk that they don't need to play in every game. I mean, think about some of these teams. Like, think about the the teams that were fighting for the 7 and 8 seed in the Eastern Conference this year. The Nets were one of them. The 8 seed in the Eastern Conference was 33 and 40. Seven games under five hundred. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving should just make a plan to play in 50 games together. Get their team fully healthy for 50 games. I don't know when they're going to be, but rest is... I mean, they'll probably try to play in more than that, I should say, but it's so critical for them to play in games together to get used to one another. And if they play in 50 games, uh, you know, I would think at worst they go 30 and 20 in those, and that's enough. You'll make the playoffs in the East. They're not going to be fighting for home court advantage. It's just not worth it. Predictions for the most improved player this coming season. Ooh, wow. Oh, boy, that's a tough question. Um, You know, it tends to be someone that people are sort of waiting on. Because we're actually talking about who's going to get the award. It's probably going to go to somebody that people have been eyeballing for a little bit, like a Brandon Ingram or a Bam Adebayo type where people are like, oh, this is an up-and-coming guy, and then he, and then that person proves them right. So what you want to do, if you're searching for this, is look for someone who has been slightly underwhelming with regards to their actual performance, but at the same time has actually been decent in reality. I'll give you a couple of possible names on that front. I think Jaron Jackson Jr. is a guy that could slip into that discussion, depending on how this upcoming season goes. Um, Someone like a Bogdan Bogdanovich could actually be in that discussion if he really does now get thrust into a very large offensive role. Look for some of the other young guys in the NBA as you're making this assessment. You know, someone like a Devontae Graham from this last year would have been uh, a possibility, but he's probably wiped that out. Is there anyone on one team that moved to a new team that has uh, growing opportunity at their fingertips? What about a, 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 a young guy that just didn't have a ton of responsibility 
in his rookie year that maybe gets more coming into a second one? Like, what about uh, one of the Hawks' young guys? Those are possibilities. Uh, and here's your, your weird dark horse for it. What about Jeremy Grant? I don't know where he's going to end up, but he played some awesome bubble basketball and I think woke people up to the fact that he's, a, he's better than folks realized. I, you know, if he ends up in a place where he's getting 32, 33 starters minutes at power forward, there's a possibility he could score 15, 16, 17 points a game, five or six rebounds, get himself a block and change on good percentages. He could actually enter that discussion as kind of the guy no one expected to be talking about. In reality, though, you're probably looking for some young guy who's just starting to turn a corner. Maybe Miles Bridges if he starts to play better. These are the guys that end up winning that award, uh, but I would look more at some of the other ones. <clears throat> and finally, uh, from Asmund, I may be pronouncing that wrong, uh, would you draft Jimmy Butler in the 15-20 to 20 range or DeRozan in round four? Uh, their per-game stats last year don't seem all that different to justify that premium for Jimmy Butler. And, and so now he pulls up the numbers for the two guys from last year. And, you know, by some accounts, you're right. DeMar actually outscored Butler by two points per game. Um, shot the ball better from the field by 8%. DeMar was at 53. Butler was at 45 and a half. Um, both very good free throw shooters. Jimmy on a, a higher volume. Butler, better rebounding numbers. Far better defensive numbers. And that, by the way, is where the giant gap appears. Now, admittedly, DeRozan had a pretty damn good year. Um... Neither one of them hits many three-pointers. Jimmy Butler, about half a three-ball per game. DeMar, none. But here's the thing. The difference between 1.3 and 2.4 defensive stats per game is enormous. Enormous. That's where last year's difference came in. But if you've been listening to this podcast, you know I'm not touching Jimmy Butler in the short offseason. That dude was playing 47 minutes a game in the finals for stretches. Uh, he's going to rest. He's going to miss ball games. He missed ball games this year, and that and a bubble was not to blame. He played in 58 games uh, over the full season. That's including the bubble. So he was missing quite a few basketball games where uh, DeMar DeRozan, who, by the way, at number 37, he had a really good year, he didn't miss that many. Handful. Would I take DeMar over Jimmy Butler this year? Eh, probably not, because the gap in their per-game production is still relatively significant, specifically that defensive stuff. Butler, hyper-elite in steals, and still pretty good in blocks, and uh, DeMar, you know, adequate in steals and doesn't block any shots. Would I take Butler... Would I take DeRozan over Butler? No, but the rest factor does bring them much closer... And then Butler gets the edge again when you consider the fact that DeMar could end up getting traded to a spot where he's not the uh, top or number two usage guy. It's a possibility, although, you know, any place DeMar ends up going, he, he's going to be a focal point. Is it going to be quite as often as, as it was in San Antonio? So th there is a, a tiny red flag there, but it's not nearly as large as the red flag on Jimmy Butler. He's a guy that I'm, I'm basically not drafting. Folks, make sure to check out manscaped.com today before you're done with whatever you're doing over the course of your work day. If you're sitting at your PC, just type it in, manscaped.com. Do it right now. You can even keep listening to this podcast 
while you do it. And uh, check out their sweet tools. Uh, the Lawnmower 3.0. The Weed Whacker. The Shears. That's the luxury nail kit. Um, you can get all of these things. You can get all of them for 20% off and free shipping with promo code HOOPBALL20. That is your coupon at checkout. Make sure to enter it at checkout. HOOPBALL20 for 20% off and free shipping. It's also the year 2020, so that makes things pretty easy, doesn't it? Very easy to remember. HoopBall20, 20% off, free shipping at manscaped.com. The Weed Whacker, the Lawnmower, both of them with skin-safe technology, waterproof technology, and then the luxury nail kit, which, by the way, you know, I'm pulling up a picture of it here while I'm talking to you guys. Really good-looking thing. They got the clipper, you got a file, you got some tweezers, you got a little case, a little pair of scissors if you want to take out the edges there. Um, really nice. Really nice, you know? This is something that we all... Everybody needs this, and I can't... I don't know many people that have it. It's only 20 bucks. And 16 with your coupon. Ha-ha. And they got a money-back guarantee. 30-day money-back guarantee if you hate it. But you won't. It's got 145 reviews, and it's got a perfect five-star ranking. Stainless steel nail file, so it's not going to wear out. It's good stuff, man. It's good stuff. Water resistant because it's stainless steel. You know, you could do this stuff in the shower too if you wanted to. And the case has a magnetic enclosure. If you don't, stuff's not dropping out everywhere. Manscaped.com, coupon code HOOPBALL20. That's your mailbag. Thanks for the questions, guys. A lot of really good stuff. Uh, starting tomorrow, we're going to start to dive into ADPs and some guesses and things of that nature because we're in ramp-up mode. I don't even know what day of the week it is anymore. It's 11-11. It's hey, no, make a wish. Have a great 11-11, everybody. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Uh, again, hoop-ball.com, the website. Go get yourself a fantasy pass. Ahora. Do it now. Four ninety nine a month. Do it now. I told you to. I'm Dan Vespers. Uh, folks, if you're enjoying this podcast and you're relatively new, please drop a five-star review on iTunes. It would mean the world to me. Okay, that's it. We'll talk to you tomorrow, everybody. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.